everyone. This is Shannon Balloon, and you're listening to the Middle Grade Matters Podcast. On this show, I talk to authors and publishing professionals about the world of middle grade books, from writing them and publishing them to encouraging kids to read them. If you're a teacher, librarian, writer, or reader, this is the podcast for you. So please follow us on your favorite podcast player and leave us a review. And now, on to the show. My guest today is Mindy Nichols Wendell. Before beginning her writing career, Mindy taught English for 30 years, and she always felt lucky to get paid for doing a job she loved. Mindy and her husband live in western New York, not far from the ruins of the sanatorium that inspired her debut middle grade novel, Light and Air. These days, when she's not writing or reading or taking long walks in quiet places, Mindy is probably visiting her grandsons. You can find her at MindyNicholsWendell.com. Mindy, welcome and congratulations on your new book, Light and Air. Thanks so much, Shannon. I'm delighted to be here. So when this episode airs, Light and Air will be on bookshelves. So my question is, how does it feel having written a book that is going to be in readers' hands very, very soon? It still feels a little bit unreal to me. I got the box of author copies um, just a couple of days ago. So I guess maybe that made it feel a little bit more real. And I took one out and put it on my shelf with, you know, the other novels that I love. And it, um, it it still seems just remarkable. And I feel so lucky to have this happening to me. Well, congratulations. I'm Thanks. really excited for you. So could you please tell our listeners what Light and Air is all about? Yeah, so Light and Air <clears throat> takes place in 1935 in Western New York, as you mentioned, at, uh, uh, most of the action takes place at a tuberculosis sanatorium. The main character's name is Hallelujah Newton. She goes by Hallie. And her mother gets a case of active tuberculosis. And in 1935, there were no um, antibiotics or drugs to treat TB. So one of the only things they knew to try was uh, sunlight, fresh air, good food, and rest. And by Uh, moving patients with active tuberculosis to sanatoriums, it reduced the risk of them spreading it to their families and communities. So that's kind of where the book begins. Um, Hallie takes off one day to try to walk to Perrysburg, which is where the sanatorium is, to visit her mother. She gets sick, ends up as a patient at the sanatorium as well. There's a kid's um, side and an adult side. She recovers quickly but her mom does not. So she goes kind of on this quest to help her mom get better and to put her life back together again. Hmm. So what inspired this book? It was the ruins of this old sanatorium. I was um, on my way back from dropping my son at college, you know, one time and got on a detour, a road I'd never been on before, went right through little Perrysburg, New York. It was called Peck Hill Road. And I saw these crumbling brick buildings just off the side of the road. And I, you know, slowed down and looked at them, came home. My husband's from the area and I asked him what it was and he didn't know. We asked around and discovered it was um, an old tuberculosis sanatorium. And I didn't know that much about 
tuberculosis or sanatoriums then, but I could not get the place out of my mind. It was haunting in a way, but also beautiful. And I just thought about all the stories, all the people, you know, who were there. And so I bit by bit started reading about it, doing some research. There's a little museum in Perrysburg. And as soon as I visited it one time, I knew I was all in, you know, on, on that being important, you know, but it was years before I started to write the book. Hmm. So this book is historical fiction, and you've mentioned what inspired it. What other type of research did you have to do to in order to, to pull it all together? Right. Yeah, that that was both fun and hard because, you know, everything I wanted, obviously, every to be as true to the time and place as possible. And there were just so many details to check um, all the research about tuberculosis and the way it was treated then, but then just what daily life was like, you know, and a little thing at one point in the book, I had written that um, Hallie or one of her roommates uh, gave a thumbs up and they didn't get, give thumbs up in 1935. <laughs> so I changed it to an okay. And then no, oh, they didn't great. even do the oh, okay. They didn't do that either. No. <laughs> <laughs> so like there were a lot of really uh -huh. small things like that. And then, of course, bigger things like, you know, what was happening in the world then and how might that affect her. Mm -hmm. um, but the story is mainly about TB and that was at the forefront of her mind. But the rest was to sort of build the world. Yeah. Did you find that there were many other books out there for kids about this period of time and TB in particular? There was one called, um, I think it was, it's called Breathing Room, but that's the only one I found that was mm. about um, tuberculosis and children mm -hmm. and not even a ton about adults. I mean, there were some um, that I used as research and uh, so, yeah, it was a lot of digging around and um, mm -hmm. trying to find good information and um, accurate details. Mm. So I found life at the sanatoriums, as it's depicted in your book, very, very interesting. I knew nothing about, um, I don't even know if I, I knew they existed. I'm sure I learned about it at some point. I've I definitely heard about it. But as far as the details of you know what it was like if you were living in one, I found it really, really, really intriguing. Um, was there anything about life in the sanatoriums that just you just couldn't believe it when you learned this? Well, so many things, like even in winter, they'd be outside with, um, you know, as little clothing as possible. And they would be, you know, I think that was perhaps exaggerated a little bit, but there are pictures of kids like in the snow at Perrysburg with very few clothes on, you know, probably the sun was out and it was a nice warm winter day, but still. So that was interesting. Um, one of the things I that was true about Perrysburg, the Jay and Adam um, sanatorium, that I think wasn't true in other places is that they, even in 19, you know, when the book was set, that they didn't it wasn't segregated, you know, like uh, I interviewed a woman who had been both a patient and a nurse there. And she said that really the only segregation was between doctors and nurses, like they wouldn't eat in the same 
dining room, but not, you know, based on race or um, economic status, or it's like, I think being sick with tuberculosis was a great equalizer, you know, Mm. and everybody was in it together. And it seemed, I mean, of course it was a place with a lot of tragedy, but I, from what I can tell, it was also a real community of its own, you know, because, and sometimes more than one family member would be there. Yeah, that was probably the most interesting thing to me, the fact that um, you would have you could have multiple family members because if someone in your family had tuberculosis, you were exposed, you likely, you may, it may be um, a latent case, but you might have tuberculosis. And so you, anyway, I just found that fascinating that, that this was like this own little small world existing at these sanatoriums. Right. And they were all over the country too. You know, uh, this is the one that's closest to me, but yeah, I mean, the famous one in the Adirondacks is sort of what inspired the movement with Edward Trudeau. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. I also loved the fact that if there was a child that did not have tuberculosis, but didn't have anyone to care for them because their parent did or their parent had died, they would take them in. Yeah. 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 I get the feeling that the children's ward was an interesting place, you know, like um, where kids were really friends with each other. And um, if they weren't too sick, you know, they were up and about and um, it it really was kind of, uh, I don't know what to even compare it to, but I think kids could, uh, at least like with Hallie, she was, became more fully herself there than perhaps in her old life. There was something that was freeing about it. Yeah. It's, she found a family. She did with, I mean, she has a family, a very, she does. yeah, yeah she but did she found a, a new fa- another family in a time when she needed that. That's, ex- oh, I like that. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. I really enjoyed it. Um, So this is a very sweet story. And while it's an extraordinary story in one way, it's also a story about an ordinary family's life during just a very, very difficult time. How do you make that kind of story interesting for young readers? Well, you know, one of the things um, that happened when I was writing the book, um, I went to an SCBWI regional conference in Syracuse and the book wasn't anywhere near finished. And I think to sign up for a critique, your book is supposed to be finished, but I signed up for one anyway and met with an agent. And first of all, he took me seriously and my book seriously, which helped a lot and mattered a lot to me. But he told me two things that really, I think, changed the book entirely and made it, I hope, something that's accessible and interesting to kids. The first thing he said is, you've got to raise the stakes, like for Hallie. Mm -hmm. And he said, and you've got to get more kids in here sooner. Mm. And I, like both of those, I had no idea how to do either one when he said it, but it changed the book. So I think like Hallie's friendships, both at home and at the sanatorium, I hope kids will um, be interested in. And I think um, Hallie herself, like there's this, as you know, in middle grade, 
fiction, you've got to have like the child, the main character, be the one who solves the problems, you know, and in Mm -hmm. real life, parents try to take care of a lot of that for their kids, which is why, you know, a lot of times parents are either absent or um, unable to care for kids in middle grade, not always, of course, but, you know, it lets the child sort of um, be the hero. And so I think that Hallie, you know, that's what happens to her when she's in the kid's board at the sanatorium. She has to find out how to fix things as best she can on her own. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask, how did you come up with her name? Because I love the name Hallie, but it's based on hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just occurred to me one day that that, I don't know if it was, you know, maybe I'd seen Halle Berry's name or something, but it uh-huh. just came to me that hallelujah as as a name is fun and interesting. And then Uh Hallie as a nickname is, you know, it just, it seemed to suit the girl I wanted to write about. And one of my favorite authors is Sharon Creek and she goes by Sal. So I Uh. think maybe that was sort of in my head too. Uh Um, Yeah. I think it just says a lot about the family and the time period. And um, I don't think you'd see that today perhaps. But if I thought of it, that might be my daughter's name now. Who knows? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Hallie's relationship with her father is, it's an important part of the story. It's very complicated. He's going through so much. Um, And at times it's, it's quite frankly, gut gut wrenching to read. Um, Was it hard to write that? It was hard to write that. And I was mostly sympathetic to Papa in the book, but I think it depends on, you know, readers bring their own lives to a book. So the way he comes off is going to be based probably on your own experiences with your own father or fathers that you know. And I knew in my heart that he loved Hallie. He was in a rough patch and he wasn't doing a good job of showing her that love or being really a present and helpful father to her, not the one she needed, um, at least in the beginning. So he, you know, they always say the main character is the one who changes the most, but Papa changes a lot in the book too. And I think that's important because I think it's who he used to be and who he gets back to being. But yeah, he's he's tough. He's a tough character mm, a lot yeah. of, for a, a lot of the book. I, I felt the sympathy as well. Um, but it also it's it's hard. It's hard to to see that situation because you know that it's you know she's struggling so much because of um, how he's treating her. Um, but you also see that he's treating her that way because of his own trauma. In his own pain. Um, Right. And you'd like to see a parent be able to rise above that. But mm -hmm. I think parents, all parents make mistakes, you know, and don't always act the way they wish that they had acted or could have acted. And um, yeah. Um, What did you like most about writing this book? I think that I loved, I've always been fascinated by other time periods. I like to see old houses and old buildings and imagine the life that used to occur there. And so I think what I really loved was, is I would write, I write usually early in the morning while it's still dark outside. So I liked slipping into 
that time period and into Hallie's world and just losing myself in there. And so then when I would be done writing for the day, I would kind of miss it. You know, <laughs> I would think about it, of course, throughout the day, but I would miss slipping, you know, that what the life was like in that world. And I felt the same way when I finished the book, I missed that mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And what was the most difficult part of writing this book? I think that probably the research, which I also loved, but it was hard. I worried all the time about being accurate and being true to the time period and to the experience. I mean, it's fiction, but it's based on a real place and a real time and a real experience that people went through. And I wanted so much to be true to that. Um, So that was both fun and hard Mm -hmm. at the same time, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to know more about your journey to becoming a a published author. So first of all, why middle grade? I think that I've always loved to read, first of all, and um, read a lot as a child, although I don't know if middle grade was a thing when I was a child, but you know, I, I read nonstop. I, um, got glasses in the fourth grade. And every year when I went back for my annual eye appointment, I would fail the eye test like year after year. And the eye doctor finally told my parents, she's got to stop reading so much. And my parents luckily like didn't make me stop reading and Uh didn't like listen to that. They just kept buying me new glasses, you know? So, um, thank goodness for that. But I think middle grade, um, I, as you mentioned, I taught uh, in the English department at mm-hmm. um, SUNY Fredonia for over 30 years. And at first I started out teaching freshman comp, um, but then pretty quickly started teaching pedagogy courses. So teaching teachers how to teach literature and writing and poetry. And at first it was high school, but then I really settled into my niche, which was teaching future childhood education and early childhood education majors. So I had a course called Lit for the Intermediate Grades, and it was really a course in teaching middle grade literature. So I would teach, like, you know, I would rotate new titles in, but I would use a book for a pretty long time and reread it every semester. So, um, you know, I would it's like I got a master class in teaching writing from people like Sharon Creech or Christopher mm-hmm. Paul Curtis, Jennifer Childenko, Pam, mm-hmm. you know, Ryan, because when we read the books, we didn't just, you know, talk about the story. We talked about the craft, you know, like what did we notice in the writing? What would we want their, their future students to notice in the writing? So we had really, you know, we, like we, like the more times you read a book, the more you notice too. And the books just get better and better and better every time you reread one. So I think that's because of teaching those books for so long, it was just a natural place for me to settle. So is that how you learned how to write was teaching other people how to write? It it is. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, I was a theater major and a math minor as an uh, undergraduate and then got my master's in English. But Um, I wasn't a creative writing major, um, but I always had, I think, like an affinity for story. My parents told me stories and uh, read to me, you know, constantly as a child. And then I read to myself. And um, so I think I just kind of intuited storytelling. 
or I don't know, maybe just soaked it up. Um, but yeah, I learned so much from my students, probably as much as they learned from me. So when did you actually start writing? I, it, it was originally going to be like my um, retirement project. Like I was going <laughs> to write my novel, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but then I got nervous that maybe I couldn't write a novel. And so I thought maybe I better try before I take the plunge and retire because I loved my job. I loved it. Um, and if the writing the novel didn't work, maybe I should just teach a little while longer. So I started writing, I think it was, um, let's see, fall of 2019, maybe. Anyway, uh, I would get up in the morning before I'd go um, off to teach and um, write, you know, in the wee hours of the morning, like at 5 a.m., I would probably be up writing. And bit by bit, that became my favorite part of the day. And I couldn't wait to get back to it the next morning. And so I didn't know, you know, if the book would ever go anywhere or if, I would ever even be able to get it published, but um, I knew that it was something I wanted to do. So I, uh, I didn't end up retiring till 2021. Um, so, uh, but that's, yeah, that's how I made the transition. So was Light and Air the first book you ever wrote? It, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, tr- I wrote um, uh, a picture book when I was like, Oh, probably 25 years ago and sent mm-hmm. it out. Those were in the days where you would type it up and put it in an envelope and research publishers, you know, that would yeah, take yeah. unsolicited, you know, email or, or I mean, manuscripts and mm-hmm. sent it off like to a couple places. And I got a response from an editor at um, Houghton Mifflin, a personal response saying she didn't think she could successfully sell it, but she'd like to see more from me. Hmm. And that was just enough to keep that little flame going. I mean, it took another uh, 25 years to really get, but, but yeah, the first novel I wrote is Light and Air. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, so after you wrote that novel, tell me tell me how it evolved. Because I know that first draft is really messy, usually. Um, you know, how to, tell me, take me through it. Okay, so yeah, I finished it um, in the summer of 2019. And I'd gone to that SC, uh, the writing conference mm-hmm. that spring. So that gave me a little bit of confidence that the agent didn't, you know, sort of dismiss me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd given a few, the same pages that I was taking to the agent, to my daughter to read. And she started highlighting parts that she liked and sending me, you know, screenshots back that mm-hmm. encouraged me. <clears throat> so I finished it in the summer and printed out um, a copy of it. And my family, I've got uh, three kids grown up and there and three uh, kids-in-law and we were all at Cape May together sitting on the beach and I brought the book like separated into chunks and chapters you know with paper clips and binder clips and pencils and they sat on the beach in their beach chairs reading it and passing it around and 
marking things they liked and starting to talk about the character and quote characters and quote lines from the book. And it was one of the best things that could have happened. And if that was the only thing that had happened with the book, it would have been a lot, you know, it would have mm-hmm. probably been enough. But um, their response to it, and then I shared it with some friends, some of my um, good, you know, reading friends and close friends, my family and some colleagues in the English department and got um, like some constructive feedback from them and made some changes. And then I started to query the book um, that fall in November. So four months before the pandemic hit. Mm. Um, And I don't know if that was for I don't know if that helped or hurt. Everything was in such disarray, but I just, you know, kept going. But it took 17 months before I got um, the offer from my agent. Mm -hmm. And then I think another maybe eight months till she sold it. Mm -hmm. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, not bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, So eight months until she sold it. That's great. Uh, Were you nervous during that time? Oh, so nervous. Yeah. And it just felt like I was trying to make my way onto Twitter and know other writers. Mm-hmm. And you'd see when you're friends with a lot of writers on Twitter, you just see all their book deals, you know, and I just kept thinking, will it ever happen? You know, because it's a little like there aren't like there, there weren't a ton of agents who had historical middle grade fiction on their wish list, you know, and probably not a ton of editors either. There are many, I'm sure, but fewer than maybe who want realistic fiction or fantasy or, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, um, but I was patient, you know, like I just kept thinking it's okay. You know, I've already written the book, which was goal number one. So Mm -hmm. if it gets published, that's, you know, beyond even what I could imagine, like getting the agent was so um, exciting and helpful because, you know, she was good about figuring out where to send it. And I could tell like before, when I was in the querying process that I was getting closer because, you know, I kept changing up my query letter and trying to figure out, you know, how to give the book the best chance because I just felt like they need to read the whole thing to really get it, not just the first 10 pages, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I started getting a few requests, like, well, could you send us the first 50 pages or could you send us a full manuscript? I knew Mm -hmm. I was getting a little closer and then kind of the same thing happened when we were submit sending it out, you know, on submission, we started to get more interest. And I think we both felt like maybe we were getting close, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, Yeah. So it was a a very exciting day. Mm -hmm. So what was the process of publication like for you? Was there a a long period of editing that happened? Yeah, it took longer than I guess I would have imagined that it would. So before we even sent it on submission, I edited it with my um, agent and she has a great editorial eye and made so many good suggestions and asked so many questions that helped the book get be better, you know, and have a better chance when it went out into the world and, um, or into the publishing world. And then, yeah, my <laughs> editor is Maura Couch at Holiday House and my agents, Michelle Hauk from Storm Literary. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they both made the book so much better. And, you know, could you get to a place with your own book where you can't 
think of anything else to do. And then you get like the editorial letter back or like the, the manuscript back and you're like, oh, oh my goodness. Yes, of course. That's a great idea, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it just, it, I loved the editing process. As I said, I, when I am doing the drafting, when I'm writing a book, I write in the morning just for not a really long time, but then I think about the book all day until the next morning's writing session. But with editing, I would work all day, every day, you know, mm. every every minute. Sometimes it was a really like, could you get it back to me, you know, by Monday, you know, and that was four days away, you know, so it would be that part was really intense. Um, but I loved seeing how other people read the book and the kinds of suggestions that they would make, even if it was just asking a question or even a suggestion that maybe didn't feel right to me, but pointed out something that needed to be changed, you know, and figuring out how to make the change. And um, so, yeah, the book became more layered with detail. I think it became more meaningful, you know, thanks to those, like to the, um, advice that I got from both my agent and editor. So what did you learn about writing in the process of, of working with them on your book? I think, and I think I always said this to my students, you know, that a piece of writing is never really done. You either just have to turn it in or it's published or you abandon it. But like, I was amazed every time the book came back, you know, like, oh, you know, that, yeah. And, and just like the catching of mistakes too, you know, like I probably would be, I think I always was, I hope my students would agree a sympathetic writing teacher. Um, and I tried really hard to, um, counter any criticism with a lot of praise, you know, or any suggestion, um, really. And that I think helped a lot. It'd be, you know, it's, thought it's almost too bad that I didn't write this when I was still teaching because it would influence my teaching. But at the same time, I think teaching and has influenced my writing. So, you know, it's Mm -hmm. uh, both ways are good, but yeah. So I think that I've learned that, um, I guess there's always more to do or always more you can do. And eventually you just stop and, uh, And you don't want to get to the point where you're starting to make the book worse either, you know, so Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's a tricky thing knowing when a book is done. And I guess that surprised me too, because I think there were times I thought the book was done and it, it wasn't done yet, you know, so. Mm, Yeah. What did you tell your students to inspire them to write and to write more? I would try, when I was a student, I had this professor and, um, I remember, you know, when I would write pieces for him, he would write these little comments in the margin, like, ha ha ha, you know, or, oh, you, this made me tear up or, oh, I love this part, you know, like very, or very specific kinds of praise. So I think the thing that motivated me as a writer was that kind of that professor entering into my story and responding like a real person to what I was saying, or that happened once to me too, you know, or really anything like that, that told me he was 
really paying attention to this, whatever the story that I was trying to write was. And so I tried to do that with my students too, like to um, Lucy Cocken says about writing with one children, sometimes you have to lean into the writing and say, ah, before mm. there's a lot of ah there. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like that was my job, you know, to lean mm -hmm. into their writing and help them see what they were doing well. And I always believe like, when you're teaching writing, find out what, a, like, find what the writer's doing that's working and say, do more of this, you know, mm -hmm. not pointing out what's wrong with what's on the page, you know, but what's right with what's on the page. So that's how I try to approach it with students. I love that. Do you plot out your stories before you write them? I do not, which is probably a surprise because I'm not like that in normal life. I'm a huge list maker in my everyday life and I like to be organized, but with writing, no, I have an idea, obviously, of where I'm going, but I think I let the writing guide me instead of me guiding it. And so that was another thing I think I loved about writing, that it surprised me, you know, which seemed strange to be surprised by your own book. But that's what happened a lot of the time. So I would write in the morning and and that's another thing I used to talk to my students about, like that there's insulated writing time when you're like with pen and paper or with your computer actually writing. But then there's all this fragmentary writing time, like when you're taking a walk or you're in the shower or you're doing the dishes, you know, you think of new things. So mm -hmm. that morning's writing, I would it would be sort of simmering in the back of my head all day. And I think of new things, you know, that I might work in the next morning or months down the line. Or especially with editing, that would happen too. But I let it kind of unfold as I go along. Mm. And then when it comes to your editing, when you're editing your, yourself, when it's just you editing, is that a lot of work for you to then pull it together? Or do you, do you just go with it then as well? It felt intimidating at first. And what I always have to do is break any huge task down, you know, so I'm like, I'll just do the first chapter, you know, I'll just mm -hmm. look at that. And then, then it felt manageable. And it would, oh, before I start into something, it feels big and impossible. But as soon as I open it up and get going, then I get just pulled right back in. And um, so like I said, I, I, that surprised me, but I loved the editing, self-editing and then editing in response to mm -hmm. input from others. So which do you like better, the first draft <gasps> or the editing? Oh, wow. I've never thought about that. Hmm. I, I don't know. I love creating the story to begin with, but I can't leave it there. I, I don't have an answer to that. I don't know. Did, did you ever work with craft books, either in your teaching or in your own writing? Did you work with craft books? So many. Yeah. Especially in my teaching. Well, both. I mean, I liked mm -hmm. um, when I first started teaching English composition, there was a book called A Writer Teaches Writing by Donald Murray. And then I just went on a big Donald Murray kick. You know, I re read pretty much everything, every pedagogy book he wrote, as well as other books. So I learned a lot from him. And then people like Nancy Atwell and Donald Graves, um, Lucy Calkins. There was a great book called Child Made, Awakening Children to Creative Writing by Cindy Gregory. 
that I learned a lot from Georgia Hurd's books on teaching poetry taught me a lot. And I think learning about poetry helps your prose get better as well. Um, so I loved all those pedagogy books, but I also read oh, um, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott and uh, Escaping into the Art of the Open by Elizabeth Berg. I love her writing. So yeah, a lot. Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg. Mm -hmm. Do you think you might write a book on writing one day? Oh, goodness. I, I don't know. I never thought about doing that. I don't know. Probably not, but... Mm -hmm. Sounds like you know say. a lot between teaching <laughs> teachers how to write and also just all these books that you've read. And now you are a published author. I think it's you a, could do it. a good idea. Maybe. I think you could. Yeah. Thanks. So um, when you feel stuck in your writing, what gets you going again? I think, well, like I mentioned, getting input from that agent at the conference, from my own agent, from Mora. Um that helps me, but I also think, and, and talking to my family about it uh, helps, but mostly I think it's getting away from the writing for a minute, um, going for a walk, doing something else. It's always hovering or simmering away, uh, but sometimes like just walking away for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm working on a second book now and have been stuck a few times when I've just had to stop even for several days, you know, and, um, and just kind of let my mind, I guess, work in a different gear, you know, than I guess the fragmentary writing instead of the insulated writing. So that's, I guess, one of the only tricks I know. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in what's next for you. You mentioned you're working on a new book. I am. Yeah, it's Com a companion novel that's set 35 years later. So it'll, it's set in 1971. And I'm just, uh, I'm not done with it yet partway through. Okay. So is it already under contract? It's not, not yet. Okay. Okay. No. Well, good luck. Do you have ideas for other novels? I've got, uh, I do. I, I eventually, I envisioned a third one that's set another maybe 25, 30 years in the future. Um, kind of, um, another companion novel. I don't like to talk too much about stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. That's okay. I completely understand. Uh, yeah. So there, <laughs> I hope will eventually be three of those. And then I've got another uh -huh. historical fiction idea that set much that set earlier in time before earlier than light and they're not connected at all. But another uh -huh. idea that's sort of uh, in the back of my mind too. Yeah. So do you have a favorite middle grade book of all time? I'm very bad at picking favorites um, in anything, but maybe particularly in books. But um, I mentioned I do love Walk Two Moons by Sharon Creech. And I love The Watsons Go to Birmingham by Christopher Paul Curtis. I felt like I, that both of those authors, as well as um, many of the others authors whose books I taught, taught me to write. And so I think those are two of my favorites, but there's so many more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're comfortable sharing what you're reading right now, I'm curious. I am reading a book called Light Comes to Shadow, Shadow Mountain by Tony Buzio. I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm saying that name prop correctly. It's, uh, I feel like uh, the main character in that book would be friends with Hallie. 
Like they mm. both take place around the same time. And I think they're kind of like book friends. I don't know. Um, so I'm just partway through that. And I want to read Kate Albus's new book, Nothing Else But Miracles. That's next on my list. Mm -hmm. I loved her first book. I did too. Um, yeah. yeah. And I interviewed her earlier um, this I year. I and... some of that. Yeah, it, it was great. So is historical fiction, is it fair to say that's your favorite um, genre or do you read others as well? Oh, I read, I, I love historical fiction for sure, but I read a lot. Yeah, mm -hmm. I read, uh, I'm rereading A Wrinkle in Time right now. Mm, classic. And I read, yeah, contemporary realistic fiction. Um, uh, yeah, I read a lot of um middle grade books, obviously, but I also love, I love Ann Patchett. Like I just listened to Me the audio book of Tom Lake. I did I too. Loved. Oh, wasn't With that good? Meryl Streep is. She was amazing. I kept thinking narrator. of her the main oh. character in the book, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She was so good. What right now is bringing you joy? Uh, well, I've got four grandsons. The first was born just months after I retired. So in the summer of 2021, the second grandson was born on the first grandson's birthday, two different families. Oh, and since then, we've added two more. So I've got four grandsons who are under two and a half years old. Oh, my so goodness. They're babies. They are babies. The youngest is seven months. So that they are just being a grandparent, you know, you always hear how great it is. And I couldn't imagine it until it happened. And it's just the most wonderful thing. Congratulations. Thank you. That's wonderful. Um, what advice would you like to offer new writers? I think like here I am a debut novelist in my 60s. So I guess maybe my best bit of advice is that it's never too late and to never give up on following a dream. I love that. And that, that I, I yeah, we all need to hear that no matter what age we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Mindy, thank you so much for joining me today. And I wish you the very best with your thank launch you of Light so Nair. For, oh, thank you, Shannon. I've really enjoyed this and I appreciate you inviting me on and I've had a good time. Me too. Thanks for listening to the Middle Grade Matters podcast. I'd like to take a moment to thank our audiobook partner, Libro FM. With Libro FM, you can choose from more than 400,000 audiobooks and see lists of audiobooks recommended on the Middle Grade Matters podcast. For more information, go to Libro.fm slash Middle Grade Matters and enter the code CHOOSEINDY for a free audiobook with a paid membership. If you're enjoying the Middle Grade Matters podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And tune in again for more great episodes. I'll see you next time.